Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to More Outdoors on News Talk 560K LVI. This is Chester Moore. You know, um, uh, last year I was in the woods of East Texas, freezing my tail off with some other gentlemen in a truck, waiting for turkeys to be caught by a cannon net in the woods for a study. And there was this young man named Jake Hill in the vehicle, and we connected since then. And I've marveled at all the cool stuff he's done. He was, uh, I think, fresh out of Stephen F. Austin at the time. And or maybe still there at the time. And uh, he's going on to work for the East Foundation, got a lot of other things going on. Welcome to the program, Jake. Thanks, sir. Glad to be here. You know, every time I come across someone who um, is interested in some kind of professional wildlife job career, I'm always interested in what got them to that point. So what is kind of the genesis of your outdoors love? Well, it really starts off just from being raised the way i was um and my family just wasn't a super like outdoor hiking family in per se but i was raised in a rural ranch yeah so i mean i was the family that my mom just kicked us out of the house during the day because she didn't while she was cleaning and we just played outside all the time so i always had a you know I was outside all the time, and um, I grew up hunting and fishing, and I, I love that. Um, and so I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, for a long time. Um, but then we had some cows get out on our from our one of our lease properties that we had. And anyway, mm-hmm. they went on the neighbor's property, and anyway, we went to go ask permission to go on his land and get our cows back. And anyway when we started talking to him, found out he was a wildlife biologist. Hmm. And um, I had never heard of that. I didn't know what that was, what they did, but I said, I knew it sounded cool. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, started kind of talking to him about what he did and, you know, what, what his day-to-day was like and what his career was like. And I, it took, it was a brief conversation really that I, from that I figured out, you know, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I, um, that was probably my eighth grade year. Okay. So I say not knowing what I want to do for a while. Like younger, I didn't really know, have any ideas about what I wanted to do. But I guess for me, I really nailed down what I wanted to do early on. And from that point, I've that's just that's just been who I am and what I do. It's um, interesting, man, because I nailed down being a writer by ninth grade. Okay. Outdoor yeah. writer by 11th grade for sure. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was like, can I can possibly combine this love of the outdoors and a talent for writing? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of, it's nice when you're able to do that. So you end up going to Stephen F. Austin. That's right. And what, I, was, what was your major? My major was forest wildlife management. Okay. So it combines wildlife management with forestry. So the program at SFA for that specific specific degree option is accredited by both the Wildlife Society and Society of American Foresters. So since I graduated from there with that specific degree, mm-hmm. I now have accreditation as both 
a certified wildlife biologist and a certified forester. Yeah. So that there's not many programs throughout the country that allow that. So I was really blessed to kind of go through that program at SFA. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a great program. And uh, I'm a good friend. Amber Rurrell is going through that program right now. And uh, I've got to go speak to the Wildlife Society there. Mm-hmm. And you know, forestry and wildlife are just linked. I mean, that's that's an important thing. And the commerce side of forestry, you know, and trying to find ways to make that work better with wildlife and store or commerce is always a struggle. So that's cool that there are people coming out with doing those things. But somehow you ended up in Africa. <laughs> yes, I like, there's did. There's no segue to that. Like, okay, he's a forestry <laughs> student. He's here in SFA. The dude ends up in Africa, darting rhinos and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's I, I've never been afraid to really jump off into things. Yep. Um, and I was always big on during college of like in the summers. I'm I'm going to get an internship, yeah. and I did that you know freshman year on so every summer i'd get an internship my first one i worked for texas parks and wildlife did a few others then i said i've always loved the african scene and and that you know their wildlife and you know, big game hunting over there and so i just one day i said i'm i'm gonna go do my next internship in africa yeah. and so anyway um I interned for the Dallas Safari Club one year as a convention intern mm-hmm. just helping out during their show and the main reason I took that internship was because I knew I'd have lots of opportunities to talk to people from sure. Africa, from different countries. And so, anyway, I made a lot of connections connections that week. And anyway, I finally settled on a, a reserve in South Africa called Buffalo Kloof, yeah. private game reserve. Um, and they were kind of my segue into the African scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I owe them so much. I mean, without them, I would have never been able to do what I've done over there. And you introduced me um, to Adrian. I did. Yeah, yeah we yeah. we had conversation last year at the Houston Safari yeah, Club. Houston Safari Club, yeah. Um, and they're doing a lot of great work over there um, with black rhinos and just restoring that um, Eastern Cape thicket mm-hmm. over there. That's kind of a it's an extremely diverse uh, ecosystem over there, um, mm-hmm. and they're doing a great job of kind of putting it back together from what it you know form formerly degraded habitat but anyway uh i spent my first stint over there for three months working on the reserve Mm -hmm. um and that was in 2021 anyway i came back from my last year's school at sfa and then this last year i went returned to africa and this time instead of staying in one location i kind of I like to say I bummed around Africa for you bummed around Africa for <laughs> three summer. months. Yeah. So um, I went back, and the, my first stop was I was in the Karoo area of South Africa, which is kind of central South Africa, mm-hmm. a little town called Vanderkloof. And uh, I got my I took a PH course there, which is okay. a professional hunting course. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I got my license as a or a certificate actually as a professional hunter in South Africa. Very cool. Which is something that I'd always wanted to do for a long time. That's very cool, man. And then from there I went back down to the Eastern Cape, which is on the Indian Ocean side of South Africa. And uh went back to Buffalo Kloof, worked a few weeks as a guide there, guiding some hunts um for some uh, local clients. Um but then the other part of that was we had we started a student program at Buffalo Kloof. Yeah. Um, we 
my training as a biologist, I'm more on the conservation side of things yeah. and the hunting side. And so we developed this student program at Buffalo Kloof to bring over students from the U.S., wildlife slash natural resource students, and basically give them a three-week um, experience on African wildlife conservation, what, you know, how that's different from the, you know, North American model of conservation and, you know, management and everything. So we had several students this year come out again um, from the U.S., from Texas A&M, Sam Houston State, SFA, some other universities. And um, anyway, I was in charge of that program, and um, we did a lot of cool stuff, such as cheetah translocations you know oh, it's like nonchalant like translocations <laughs> messing with black rhinos you know something people do every day here in texas so let's back up <laughs> cheetah translocations that's right and this is an interesting dynamic because i've talked with adrian a couple of times buffalo kloof's really amazing because they're also managing for predators mm-hmm and a lot of people, you know, on the hunting side, sometimes they're like predators, like a vampire and a cross. And sometimes, yeah. unfortunately, but you guys are, they're actually involved in the conservation and like breeding and propagating on this land. And also now you guys are moving into other properties. That's correct. Yeah. So a little bit of background behind that cheetahs, the species of cheetah at, in general mm. is at a, it's not in a good place. Yeah. Um, specifically due to a genetic bottleneck Mm -hmm. which is basically the risk of inbreeding within the species and cat species in general are much more sensitive than that to that than other species so anyway um there is a organization called a shia Mm -hmm. um which is really big into cheetah conservation and buffalo kloof is one of the properties which hosts uh you know that kind of some I guess individual like they'll take a female cheetah and they'll allow her to you know give birth and like yep. raise cubs and everything and then they'll take those those cheetah cubs and once they're mature and everything they'll move them to different properties. So last year we moved them we moved two cheetahs to re, two reserves within the Eastern Cape. When we come back on more outdoors, we'll talk more with Jay Kill. Welcome back to more outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore, continuing our conversation with Jay Kill about wildlife in Texas, Africa, and beyond. Um, actually, I'm sorry. They they moved one to the Eastern Cape, one to the Limpopo Province, which is northern South Africa, and then they took one to Mozambique. So they're they're definitely, you know, playing their part of you know helping restore cheetahs to the African continent, no. kind of reversing that genetic bottom bottleneck that they're going through at the moment. And that's incredible, so. especially this is a hunting-based operation. Yeah. Very cool stuff. And they were the first uh, hunting uh, entity that the World Wildlife Fund ever kind of gave the green light for black rhino conservation work and translocations. Yeah, that's that's, that's exactly right. They yeah. World, World Wildlife Fund is big, um, you know, partners of there, especially on the mm. black rhino side. Yep. And um, But yeah, they're, they're doing great work over there. They're, they're expanding rapidly which is which is great restoring mm-hmm. old fields to that that diverse um eastern cape thicket so no that's great, great stuff it's great to see 
the heart of conservation beating strongly down in South Africa. And, of course, some Texas boy down there, you know, get representing us and bringing other Texans down into there to get involved, you know. I mean, you know, so uh, a lot of students are, like, watching some fire lane for, you know, some kind of internship in the summer. These dudes are out moving cheetahs. Uh, This is the dream job. You'll have 4,000 applications after this connection. I'm sure. (laughs) But, uh, no, obviously, man, you're a hunter. That's right. You love to hunt. You're, you're, you're a licensed PH in South Africa now. So tell me about your African hunting experience. Like what was, what, what really turns you on like species? Like, okay, we're going to go after this. So, so my, oh, so as far as you mean, like what thing I want to hunt or yeah, like, like what, what did you think about? Like, you know, I'm going to Africa. I want to go hunt this. Right. So. I don't know. I kind of like to hunt everything. I never I got had, you. You're a hunting generalist, um, okay? But also, there are certain species you gotta have a gotta kind of have a pocketbook for. Um, <laughs> that me as a I don't fresh. Think, I don't think me and you're gonna be hunting Marco Polo sheep anytime soon. I don't think so. Okay. Either. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. So I mean, there are definitely species I knew were within my price range, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. mean, I'd always wanted, you know. Obviously, a kudu, you know the great yeah, ghost of Africa. Baby. You know it's it's always a top for everybody, um, and you know wildebeest. You know some of the, the basic plains game that you know mm-hmm. was always you know part of the bucket list. So I, I was able to shoot some of those um, while I was over there, um, and I actually got to do you know quite a bit of just like camp hunting what i would call it you know shooting you know some like impala or warthogs mm-hmm. for like camp rations for, yeah, 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 or yeah, yeah. for you know you know if we had to feed the cheetahs when we had them in the bomas you know getting yeah. ready for release and everything so i did a lot of you know just meat shooting and it, and um, it sharpened your hunting skills gave you a better idea what the lay of the land is in africa and that's right yeah. you know it's funny if i i'm, I'm not i wouldn't be big on like going to Africa hunting as much as I would trying to pursue like more of the North American stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'd be really big into my camera going over there and oh, photographing yeah. stuff. That's something I'd really love to do. But an Impala is like way up on my list. Oh yeah. Even though like the basic like the white tailed deer of yeah, Africa. Exactly. They're like just such a beautiful they animal. Are. And I've seen black ones. I've seen like oh, yeah. pictures They've of got black and melanistic melanistic Impalas, melanistic Impalas. So. so that's really cool. And the warthogs, amazing animal. I got to bottle feed a warthog one time. No did you? Yeah, that was kinda cool. And he turned out about 300 pounds in about two weeks, it seemed like. You know, he just grew <laughs> fast, man. But yeah. uh, amazing, yeah. amazing animals out there. And, um, you know, did you run into anything when you're out in the field hunting that was a dangerous situation? Did you ever come across uh, accidentally running some Cape Buffalo in the brush you didn't know were there or you know, anything uh, like that? It, what, so I had a few instances. Um, one of them was it's elephants yeah. um in the eastern cape thicket mm-hmm. you, you can't see far at all yeah and so we were tracking elephants one day and we were trying to find them get close to them because we were trying to build kind of some id packets to help us kind of get a better idea of herd structure and yep. and kind of their demographics um but it's just it's hard to read elephant behavior you've got to be pretty experience to understand that because it, when you're facing something that that's that big and loud and has the ability to uh 
do so much damage. Stop you until mobile. Um, yeah. And, and the thing with an elephant is, you know, with every other species, including up to a rhino, it's like if you get in the vehicle, you're pretty much safe. Mm-hmm. It's not like that with an elephant. You, It doesn't matter whether you're in a vehicle or not. It's It has the ability to, yeah. to do a lot of damage. And so that's you know trying to track these elephants and not knowing where they were and when you get in the middle of them you you end up coming between a cow and a calf which happened one time and the, the calf freaks out and the the cow freaks out you know that and so you get caught in the middle and you got to get out of there quickly and elephants are screaming and every and you're trying to reverse and it can get hairy kind of quick you know we ran into a bull, came around a corner of the road, ran into a bull that was a must, and they get really cranky when they get in that kind of breeding mode. Um, so, yeah, it's it's mainly elephants. Um, and that was may- all in South Africa. You know, when I was in Zimbabwe, I had, uh, you know, part of my job there was assisting, you know, hunts there. And we had wounded leopards and you know, wounded buffalo, and both those situations are always uh dangerous no matter like lost whitetail in east texas <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's just like it, it's when you're dealing with something that big and that aggressive it's you definitely have to watch what you're doing yeah um, you mentioned something about like going to these tickets and seeing elephants mm-hmm. I've had numerous hunters and photographers tell me it's amazing how well an elephant can be hidden. It's it, it, you don't you don't truly appreciate it until you try to find them. Yeah. They the reserve is is big. I mean it's 70,000 acres. Um there are much vaster parts of Africa no doubt, but they will go months without seeing elephants and and they i mean they're covering that entire reserve every day yes and it's it's incredible how they just lose them and then they'll show up yeah you know two months later they're just like the elephants are back and then you know they'll be around for about a month and then they disappear again that's fascinating man it's crazy yeah, and, I, and that's part of the, you know, like cracking the code of their behavior or, you know, understanding that to me would be part of the appeal of all this, mm-hmm. you know, understanding that animal better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. So that's cool stuff. So I know you've got the African bug really bad. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I do. But um, have you thought about like later on in life uh, going after stuff in like maybe the Central Africa, like your bongos and your forest, uh, some of your forest wildlife? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um I've, you know, one of my goals throughout my professional career is is to to explore a lot of Africa, different yeah. places. I've spent most of my time in sub-Saharan Africa, yeah. um, Southern Africa, but uh, definitely that that area. One of my dreamless species is the Lord Derby Eland, the, the which, big, yeah, the big ones. And yeah, so Lord Derby Eland. Definitely have to go to the Congo for that. Um, so it's. And there are two Congos, right? There's a Democratic Republic of Congo, like another right. Congo. Mm-hmm. I think one of them's always like a civil war and an Ebola outbreak. <laughs> right. I mean, it's pretty wild. Uh-huh. And the other ones there, and then also Cameroon has some Cameroon, as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So that. you know, it's funny. I know my geography about what animals live in locations. 
It's a good way to. I do. People yeah. go like Cameroon. Okay, they got bongos. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, they'll be like, you know, um, uh, this is an interesting one. I talked to an outfitter recently who's doing ibex hunts for the first time in forever in Sudan. Really? Yes. Sudan. Nubian ibex. Okay. You know, stuff you don't know lives in, yeah. in you know, in Africa. Uh, but I'll, I'll like somebody. I'll mention some. As a matter of fact, I teach a wildlife class two days a week at Little Cypress Christian Academy. I do like an extra credit class. They said it's still wild. So we're doing like making flake, like fake poaching incidents outside oh, yeah. and stuff <laughs> like this. Just having fun. And uh, one day they wanted to stump me with wildlife. So they took a map and started pointing out places. And if it was on land, I had it. You had it. Yeah. <laughs> they started finding little islands in the Pacific. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> when we come back, we'll wrap up our conversation with Jake Hill. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome back to more Outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore. Finishing up a fascinating conversation with Mr. Jake Hill, a young wildlife professional who has an incredible future ahead of him, talking about Africa, Texas, wildlife and beyond. But that's that's the fun part of that stuff, and it's exciting to see you able to want to go out and and like go after that Lord Derby's England mm-hmm. and some, uh, England, Eland, which are you know if you've never seen an Eland, they're the biggest antelope in the world. They're unbelievably massive animals and. Uh, Supposed to be really good to eat as well, mm, and uh, you know, out of the stuff in in Africa that you ate while you were there, as far as game, what was your favorite? Eland. Eland. Hands down. That was it. Huh? I eat uh, Eland steaks, Eland biltong, which is like a version of jerky, yeah. and then uh, had Eland heart as well. Okay. Extremely rich. Really. It was extremely good, mm-hmm. but you would never imagine in your mind that just game meat that was that fresh would be that rich and non-gamey. It well, was... That's the thing. Like, <laughs> all the wild, all the non-hunting people go, it's all gamey. I don't yeah. know what that means half the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, what's right. the definition of gamey? It's right. stuff I eat. Right, you know what yeah. I mean? yeah. Yeah, and they, and they think you're brave if you eat whitetail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You not... start throwing out other stuff. You're like, what is that? Yeah, exactly. But uh, that's cool to get to experience all that. How old are you now, Jake? I'm 22 now. I'll be 23 in July. So this shortly. is very cool. So but you've recently uh, are taking your career slightly different direction, a little bit of a slightly different direction. I am. So I'm involved in wildlife. You're going in the legal field. Tell us about that. That's right. Um, so I recently accepted an offer from Texas Tech University. Um, I'll be attending their School of Law. Mm-hmm. I'll be part of the class of 2026. It's a three-year program, mm-hmm. but 
Yeah. Uh, when I first got into the wildlife field and really pursuing it hard, and when I started SFA, I was dead set on getting a master's. Um, okay. I always wanted to do something mm-hmm. beyond just a basic mm-hmm. four-year degree. Um, something that, not not saying that you need this to set yourself apart, but yep. it's... I always wanted to do something extra. And so I always thought that I was going to do a master's, um, mm. specifically at Sol Ross, looking at bighorns, yep. doing bighorn research at Dude, BRI. That, that would be awesome. It would, it would be really cool. <laughs> it would be. Sometimes I still think about it. <laughs> but uh, I, I really got, during my four years at SFA, I really found that I was a much, I, I was not great at research. Okay from the side of analyzing statistics the minutia the minutia and and the extreme writing side of it um and and i found that i i much preferred being a field person Mm -hmm. however during my time at sfa through the student chapter while i studied there i got involved in several different policy campaigns for different kind of wildlife bills Mm -hmm. um and anyway, I got involved with that, and I started really enjoying that. Um, but also, I, I, I've always been intrigued about big wildlife issues, problems, whether that's prairie chicken stuff in the panhandle, grizzly stuff in Yellowstone, panther stuff in Florida, whatever it yeah. may be. I've always been interested in a problem. Me too. Um, and, and figuring out how to solve that problem mm-hmm. and, and being part of the the solution so that kind of i figured out i said hey like i want to get into that like but i didn't really know how to um and then i started i got some advice that maybe look at the legal field yeah um become an attorney and i really did a lot of research talked to a lot of attorneys and i really found out that there's this niche of the legal field that is there's hardly anybody in Uh, and that niche is somebody with a wildlife not just a wildlife degree but a wildlife background somebody who has field experience in in several different scenarios and i found that i said there's nobody in this space and there's no doubt that we as a society and a country are moving in a new direction as far as just society's concern about the way we use natural resources, yep. um, you know, obviously a growing concern about climate, about all this just stuff in general, carbon, everything. And a lot of these people that are making decisions about, say, uh, you know, grizzlies in Yellowstone or, or these other... don't have a flipping clue what's going on. Right. I and, can say that. And these... <laughs> Exactly. It's, hence the the the, the results that happen, and it's and the attorneys that are making these yeah. are involved in these cases, yep. who are really the people directing the ship on these things, yep. are people with business backgrounds mm-hmm. or, at best, environmental science yeah. degrees, which wildlife management is completely different than environmental science. Yeah, and so I found this just space that no one was in and no doubt we are going to continue to get in these situations where we need somebody versed in that background that can dictate 
good, you know, uh, policies, you know, and advocate well for what really needs to be done for the benefit of wildlife. Well, a perfect runs. example right now is trophy imports from Africa. Some of the bills going on with that yeah. stuff, which will have a major impact on Africa. You know, and um, CWD issues are growing and the legal implications yep. of that stuff. And it goes on and on and on on sheep grazing in uh, bighorn country with the disease spreading. And it's on and on and on and on. So that's cool. I think we need Jake Hill out there uh, <laughs> on Capitol Hill and beyond uh, uh, dealing with these wildlife issues because um, a lot of people in the legal and environmental field are very anti-hunting, animal rights driven. Mm. And it would be great to have more people that have come from a true wildlife management background and a conservation side, which is wise use of resources instead of a preservation side, which is hands off. Mm. You know, yeah, so sure. that's I said that you don't have to get in trouble for it. You can come. You write me the email. <laughs> But uh, but that's 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 my perspective on that. Oh, but that's absolutely. great, man. Plus, you'll you'll get paid better than the people. Uh, out in the hey, it, it plays good too. <laughs> that's get that's paid better than us. That's down here. No doubt. That's cool, you know. But uh, you know, it's really interesting to think all the things it takes to make wildlife exist in the 21st century. Mm. You got to have legal representation. You got to have intensive management. You got to translocate sheep to translocate sheep. Mm. Manage land. Manage fisheries. You know, there's so much that goes into it. And so I'm always salute people who want to get some skin in the game and do this and because it's uh it's a lot of work and it's a lot of fun too i mean it's a lot worse things you could be doing than translocating cheetahs or in my case photographing turkey releases and bighorns yeah. and that's uh, that's exciting invigorating stuff so if someone wants to contact you and say hey i might be interested in that internship or something like hey you know you seem like you got a level head you've been through some things i've kind of been through um could you give me some advice on like what might be a good school to go to or something like that for what I want to do? How can mm -hmm. people reach out to you? Well, you can find me at, um, well, I mean, I can get my email. My email is just jakeshill00 at gmail.com. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty active on that. I you know, do a lot of business with that email. Um, so that's, that's how you can contact me. And I've, I love to, you know, talk about whatever, um, you know, situations might arise. Um, I'm actually having a call with a girl on Sunday. She's a senior in high school, and she's trying to figure out what she's wanting to do. She likes wildlife and mm -hmm. trying to figure out which school would be best. And so um, I'm going to have a conversation with her on Sunday to kind of like figure out, you know, really where she wants to go with that and what might be best for her. So I'd, I'd love to talk with anyone that you know has kind of interest about this field in general and where they might you know be able to fit in because um, again i found i think i found where i kind of fit best for me and that's kind of be winding up kind of in this legal area mm -hmm. um but you know no doubt we still need researchers we need academic people we mm -hmm. need state agency people we need federal people so um you know really fit finding out where you're going to work the best and in in have the best influence on things is important so yeah i'd, I'd love to talk and um if you chester has my yep. uh, information so yep. even if you reach out to him he's got it and i'll, I'll love shoot to talk. over my friend jake and uh it's awesome to have you on the program and talk more in depth about this stuff maybe we can yeah. go catch some fish in these ponds here at the so. ranch in yeah. a few minutes when we come back on more outdoors we're gonna join a conversation i had not only with jake but a roundtable discussion from the hunt fish podcast summit with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to more Outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore. You can follow me at the Chester Moore on Instagram. Higher Calling Wildlife. That's Higher Calling Wildlife on Facebook. Streaming live at klvi.com. Also get it via the iHeartRadio app on the podcast. And lots of ways to connect. Read me in Texas Fish and Game. A lot of ways to find me out there. We're wrapping up our conversation with Jake Hill, but segueing into something really cool that Jake and I took part in. We're going to play a segment from the Hunt Fish Podcast Summit, where me and Jake Hill, the guests on this program, are part of a wildlife roundtable talking about wildlife conservation. This roundtable would continue in the next program. We thought you'd whet your appetite a little bit for this amazing discussion with this amazing young man, Jake Hill, and others about wildlife conservation. Greetings, everybody. This is Chester Moore here at the Hunt Fish Podcast Summit with my compadre, Andrew Austin, here. And can you believe it or not, people are crazy enough to let us host a panel. I mean, what is up with these people? Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to be here. I know that much. Yeah. So um, when Derek York, who is the guru of this current uh, project, reached out, he asked if you and I would be interested in doing this because, you know, you and I are kind of always just talk about conservation when we're together. And they're catching Grinnell. On a fly rod, that's our two topics, right? Yeah, yeah. we yeah. talk about all kinds of stuff, but it's yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm looking around the table, and I'm looking at um, a pretty awesome group of folks that are with us right now, with diverse backgrounds and experience in the field of conservation. And um, I thought maybe we'd start off just, you know, asking how people got their motivation for conservation. So the first person I'm gonna ask is you, Andrew. <laughs> What got you motivated to want to get involved in not only loving wildlife, but helping it? It's always a, um, it's always a tough one to break down in, you know, less than a few minutes, but, um, you know, just growing up hunting and fishing, um, just finding a real connection to the Texas ecosystems really early on. And then, you know, uh, as an early career wildlife professional, as two other people here are as well, you know, Steve Rowan was a big part in that for a lot of uh, people and you know my my age bracket um but yeah just being really curious and um always always asking questions about why things are the way they are or mm-hmm. why um you know certain species are, are declining and you just go into this lifelong rabbit hole of um how do we <laughs> how do we conserve our resources you know and also sustainably use them yeah, yeah so. and that's good stuff. So, yeah. Dr. Caldwell, who is the Dr. Sam Cal- Caldwell Cunningham, I don't know if Sam Caldwell forever. I will edit that at the two-minute mark. Uh, Dr. Sam Cunningham is the president of the Texas Bighorn Society, a very f- a group that's focused on the sole mission of conserving our Texas bighorn population, desert bighorns. Uh, how did you get your interest in wanting to go from like hunter into conservationist? Uh, for me, it started at a very early age uh, hunting and fishing with my grandfather and seeing some of the things he would do and seeing that and not understanding kind of ask him like what are you doing that for yeah and he'd say well if you don't take care of them nobody will wow 
That's a pretty simple but a very yeah. effective statement, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah, so you became a hunter and things like that. Now, obviously, president of the Texas Bighorn Society, but were you involved maybe in college or something with conservation groups? Did you join groups and things like that? I did. I was a member of Ducks Unlimited. Mm -hmm. been a member of the Wachee Foundation for mm -hmm. a long time. Very, Sorry very. That's roots a, things just like yeah, that's a it's right kind of the on ramp to getting involved at a deeper level. Now you got Jake Hill over here who uh, has been doing is a young guy who's been involved in a lot of conservation efforts from Texas to Africa. Um, what was the thing that kind of motivated you to say I want to figure out a way to help wildlife? Uh, similar to Dr. Cunningham, it it's also started from a, a very young age of spending a lot of time in the outdoors. Um, growing up in a rural family um you know always you know out on the farm doing stuff out in the woods hunting fishing and um it really kind of i always knew i wanted to do something in uh in in kind of the outdoors but when i really found out that you know being a wildlife biologist was a was a thing that was kind of a i was sold mm -hmm. so it was it was a pretty easy decision for me. So now I was just talking to this other fellow here, and um, we were talking about wild turkey conservation and stuff. So uh, a lot of people would know your dad. So let's just get that out of the way. Tell us who your dad is. Well, my dad's Dave Richards. Yep, and uh, Joe here is um, uh, does not only like working in professionally in this room, but he also does the photography element of stuff because his dad is an amazing, amazing photographer. So uh, I guess maybe growing up, seeing some stuff your dad did probably had a big impact on you. It for sure did. So kind of very similarly, similarly to all the other gentlemen at this table. Um, we, I grew up in uh, Texas with my family and always spending every minute we could in the outdoors, when, uh, especially that photography element. But we were also doing um, anything from hunting to fishing. Uh, I was involved in Boy Scouts, so we did a lot of camping and hiking. And so there was a ton of different, um, really fun activities in the outdoors that really just was a tangible experience that it allowed me to really be exposed. And then what, later it had me and wanted me to involve, get involved in wildlife and mm -hmm. um, habitat restoration and then all, just pursuing a career in the outdoors and it really cemented that for me, so. Well, Turner Rowland here works with the Waypoint Network, and uh, I know he's got a lot got a lot of really cool stories from the hunting and fishing realm, but the times I've been around, and we always end up talking about some conservation project or issues. So what was the thing that motivated you to, like, uh, become a hunter-angler conservationist instead of just a hunter-angler? Yeah, I think the, the big one for me was uh, seeing the big bonefish kill. Okay. Down in the Florida Keys. Okay. Where, you know, like down, downtown Alamorada Flat. Mm -hmm. um, historically, you know, bonefish is as long as your leg and mm -hmm. 14, 15 pounders. World records um, were very prevalent there. After seeing that kill, it just kind of solidified the fact that mm -hmm. resources are finite. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of them are not as renewable or they can go away. Wow. And, and that combined with... Uh, my grandfather's love of just the general outdoors and respect for nature mm -hmm. um, just kind of motivated me to be a uh, be a responsible outdoorsman mm -hmm. um, and encourage others to do the same. Mm -hmm. 
Now, Dr. Cunningham, being a, a head of a, a conservation-based organization, um, what what do you see as a challenge of getting people more involved, like getting skin in the game? Uh, do you see particular uh, barriers to that? Is it communication? Is it uh, information? What is the what is the hard part about being people motivated? The challenge of that? I think a big part of it is just that the mm-hmm. communication. Mm-hmm. People like everybody here wants to do something, but they don't know what to do or how to engage or get involved. Mm-hmm. And things like this summit, I think, are key for that. that you know, putting the outreach mm-hmm. in front of people where they can have the opportunities. Well, while you have you here, um, for people who may think, hey, I think it's cool that we have desert bighorns in Texas, but I don't know how to help them. I'd like to. What are some ways the general public can get plugged into the Texas Bighorn Society? Uh, always get on our website. That's kind of mm-hmm. where all this goes back to. There's all kinds of opportunities there mm-hmm. from just all the game cameras we have up that live stream straight to that website so Mm -hmm. if people just if your involvement is you want to watch something come and drink water then do that yes it's addicting i do it all the time (laughs) all the way up to getting involved (laughs) in the work projects our adopt a guzzler program Mm -hmm. things like that yeah so uh jake coming from just recently graduated and college and, and taking your new new educational studies and things for your generation, what do you see of things that may be a challenge to not only like maybe getting involved, but having a, a balanced view of conservation? Right. Um, for, from my perspective, um, you know, we have this issue of just like Dr. Cunningham said, you know, getting people involved and concerned, you know, the general public side, um, some an area which I have been more involved in rather than that angle of it has been dealing with new wildlife professionals okay um and thanks so much for listening to program tonight don't forget you can follow me at the chester Moore on instagram higher calling wildlife on facebook god bless you and have a great outdoors weekend Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.